I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, here we are at episode 198. How are you? We have something very different in store for you today. But before I tell you about it, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast. Because we're wholly self-funded with no advertisers. So if you hear what you like, go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, click on the Linktree drop-down box and you can follow a link to their Patreon page. Where you can give a little support from as little as £3 a month, which is pretty much a cup of coffee. And you can rest assured that 100% of your money goes back into this podcast. Well, I know I've mentioned it before, and I'm bound to mention it again, but Kersler Art's exhibition called Freedom, curated by Ai Weiwei, is still on at the Royal Festival Hall. It's a very powerful and moving exhibition. And without Kersler Arts, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Whether that's a good or a bad thing, you decide. But anyway, to this week's episode. As I mentioned earlier, today's guest is something a little bit different. He's not a visual artist, he's a writer. But what he creates does end up on our screens. He's written Gone to the Dogs, Births, Marriages and Deaths, that was with uh, Ray Winston. More notably, Our Girl with Michelle Keegan. Well, I met Tony some time ago at Ray Richardson's studio. I literally got introduced to Tony in passing. As I was leaving Ray's studio, Tony was entering it. But I knew of Tony and we got chatting on the social media a little while after and thought it would be great to have him on as a guest. So I asked him to come on and, well, here we are today. So please, come with me as I spoke over Zoom to writer Tony Grounds. 
yeah, so I live in Muswell Hill. Nice. But I was originally, I was born in Ilford. Yeah, moved out to Billericay. So that's where... Uh, oh, is that the Lee Evans connection? Or did you just... Was that part uh, well, of the industry? That, no, I mean, obviously there is a connection. I, I went to um, uh, the, the Mayflower uh, comp and he went to Billericay comp across the other side of the... Of the um, of the divide, as it were. He was on the posh side of the railway. <laughs> well, Tony, I have seven questions I ask each guest. Okay. First being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Well, I'd say I was a dramatist, uh, working predominantly in television. I'm a writer, but if you say you're a writer, people go, oh, you must be really clever. I, go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can buck that trend. <laughs> <laughs> so you know like a dramatist is a sort of like a, a but then people still say what do you do all the words as well I go well yeah that, that, <laughs> what, what, and what they're doing yeah you know like so I think people don't quite understand you know you just I start <clears throat> with a blank piece of paper and I have to fill it up you know and I have to give you know um, uh, 60 minutes if it's a BBC show 60 minutes of um, uh, that's going to keep the audience entertained you know you're 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 not doing a diary so you can't just do it for yourself it's not a diary that goes under your bed yeah. you're right something that millions and millions of people are going to see yeah not and much pressure then eh? critic well yeah everyone's a bloody critic aren't they yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so. and how does that equate into pages tony an hour's bit of dialogue um so uh, yeah so roughly it's uh, a minute a page so so uh, an hour on uh, tv Obviously, it's written out as a... Of course, script. yeah. Um, uh, so 60 pages. You try to keep it under 60 pages. Because, wow. of course, you know, uh, if you're doing 70 pages and you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll cut it down in the edit, that's it's a lot of money. You know, you're adding yeah. another 15% to the budget because that's the number of days and the number of yeah, you know, yeah. shots. So, so uh, production companies like to get it pretty much on time now. So you does know, that stop you, any, any leeway? Does it or... Uh, are you all right to edit afterwards? Yeah, so you could you, you obviously once you go into uh, once you've filmed it or you go into the edit, and that's when you have to get it down to if it's BBC, you know, fifty nine uh, minutes thirty seconds of an ITV show. Now it's about forty five minutes. I think. Yeah. So that's that's an ITV hour, you know. So and some uh, of the other uh, other ones even less. So so if you're doing um. Uh, an hour, you know, you might have an hour and ten minutes in the first cut, and then you'll you'll try to sort of you have to get that down to time. Yeah, I mean, I think if... the streamers now are changing that because um, you know nobody tells Netflix or Amazon or Apple if they you know if they want to do a two hour fifteen minute episode, they can do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, how how have you seen that change in the industry, Tony? Well, you know, it's it's. One of the big changes is there's now so many um, independent companies. So yeah. I think there was like, uh, when I started off, I think the BBC, well, so the BBC just used to make all their own programmes. And they'd have all their departments, you know, camera department, they'd be training directors, wig makers, everything. So the BBC was this sort of thing. And then, and then they decided um, that, oh, no, it's got to be 50% with independent companies. Yeah. So some of the independent companies were springing up. And then it went to 0%. So, there's, so, so everybody's an independent company, even the, what they call, you know, BBC in-house now is BBC Studios, but it's a separate company now. Yeah. From BBC. Wow, I didn't know. 
yeah so so everything is made outside so when they were made so when i was sort of first starting off there was a there was maybe half a dozen a dozen independent companies you know the old ones like tiger aspect or yeah yeah, yeah. You know, like um uh, and those ones and i think that the bbc are now working with 800 wow so you know everybody's like so, so setting up their own companies you know there was a time when it you know it was like hugely lucrative they get two or three hits and yeah. suddenly people are buying their companies for you know 40 50 60 million well you mentioned that you was um born and brought up in Ilford in Essex yeah well, well I was born in Ilford then we moved to uh, Billerica yeah oh well, how does someone like that become involved in in writing how did that journey start yeah I mean that is like um that's obviously weird because I, I, I'm probably the only writer that's come out of Mayflower Comprehensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't do all I did at school was hide most of the time. I like lock myself in the loo. So it was like, <laughs> quite rough in those days. The rookie is a bit better now, isn't it? And I think yeah. Mayflower is is um, is uh, is better now. But um, yeah, no, it was it was uh, you know. I suppose it was just like what you what what you'd call your your, your bog standard comprehensive in those days when yeah. it just gone comprehensive. So they were all secondary moderns, really. That, yeah. uh, that that you know they just changed the the name on the door, didn't they? Um, uh, and um, yeah, so I don't know. I just I, I I was you know I was working in the Crown in Billericay High Street, the pub. Oh yeah. Somebody somebody came into the pub one day and they offered me another job up in Tower Hill, which was like on the exchanges there. So, uh, and then I saw um, there was an advert for the old Vic Youthist because I was still a teenager, you know, like I was like 17, 18. And, and I'd always sort of thought, oh, it's drama. Something I like, I quite liked doing um, drama at school. And then we had to like a nice, uh, you know, uh, an interesting drama teacher, but he got long hair. So my dad went, well, he's, <laughs> he's, a, Brilliant. he's a dodgy fucker if ever. Yeah. And, and he was the teacher that said, oh, call me Reg. And my dad was going, call me Reg, call me Reg. <laughs> you know, like, so he didn't, he didn't get it at all. Yeah. Uh, he said, there's something weird about that. And then, of course, we go back after the uh, after the school horrors, and Reg had become Ruth. And my dad was sick. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And back then... Of like, course. I, 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 very I, strange. My dad was going, I've got the Bill recorder here. Look, <laughs> Reg, I told you, no bloody good. He's now Ruth. I mean, actually, yeah, I just wish I never saw him or her you know never saw Ruth then from then on but um you know I would have loved to have because I maybe that was the probably their sort of the 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 start of that interest in yeah. so then I went to the Albert Youth Theatre um and I just walked into that room uh and it was the big green room upstairs and there was a whole collection of different people and you know we started doing improvisations and stuff like that and I thought for the first time in my life my plug fits here nice I kind of get it you know you said you went to the old Vic. Was that the first time you'd gone into an environment like that? Yeah. And and if so, what what led you to there? Was it was well, it just your teacher? Yeah, well, well, not even my teacher. It's just something. Something I was just thinking, you know, and I'd started to, uh, you know, like uh, uh, take an interest in in um, in like on the telly, you know, I'd yeah. be watching like the Mike Lee, you know, like so the nuts in May and Abigail's party and the, yeah. you know those. Uh, uh, boys from the black stuff and you're going oh bloody hell you know this is yeah, like yeah. you know I can sit and so I went there and there was a whole mix of people um by this time I was living in Camberwell on a, a council estate on Comber Grove yeah yeah and and um uh I just thought yeah no this is 
this is great and then we started doing these improvisations and so i started to sort of like you know like be the gobby one during the improvisation you know, like, we, did the first, we did the first play and like and as soon as i you know so, so just like upstairs and as soon as i said a few lines i was everybody looking at me like going <laughs> Matt, the so gobby one from the writing because you're like fucking shit at the act <laughs> <laughs> but that was how it first came about really and yeah. um and, th and then um yeah, so I, so I start, they, they they called in a writer called Owen Weimark, and she was going to write about you know all our experiences, and there was lots of kids from the estates and lots of kids that were getting into like bad trouble, and there was a whole mix as well. There was other kids, so it was quite a sort of uh, you know an interesting sort of fusion of London really, yeah. um, but predominantly uh, from from the local area and from the estates, you know, uh, and um, and. Um, yeah, so so she was she she was working with us writing these plays, and in the end she was saying, "Well, would you know you, you basically you know?" So I'll I'll tell her a different story. She she said, "Well, just write that. We'll put that in. I don't Brilliant. need to change anything." So then I'm thinking, right, like my play or you know part thereof is going on at the old Vic. You know, I'd never been to the theatre. The first time I visited, <laughs> was, to see, was to see my stuff on there. Although, yeah. you know, it was the youth theatre, but they gave us the main stage. And in those days, theatres allowed youth theatres to come in and experiment. Yeah. Not like now, you know, um, and 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 um, and so I did. Um, uh, I did that for for um, a few years, and then and then they moved to the Lyric Hammersmith. I think the old book was being refurbed or something. And we moved to the Lyric Hammersmith, and the lady said the lady was running it. A lady called Lucy Park said, "Will you write the next play completely on your own?" So no other said, "No." Yeah. Yeah. So then I'd written this play going on the Lyric Hammersmith. And then my friend said, go to... Um, and that, that went into production, Tony, did it? Yeah, but I mean, it was the youth theatre again. But, yeah. it, you know, it went into... It, it, but went, it, it had an audience and a, a yeah. cast and it was a, a, a play that you'd written. Amazing. Yeah. Can you remember what it was? Yeah, it was called Get Out. I'll tell you what. I, um, is that the one? Oh, no. Uh, I did, have, I did have the bloody sign for it. I've, I've, I've obviously lost <laughs> it now. Yeah, out of that then, you know. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, so then I went to drama school, and then um, they said, "Oh, we're going to do a festival at the um, at the uh, uh, Lyric in in Hammersmith. So, do you want to write a play for the studio there?" So, so I thought, "Yeah, okay." So, so I wrote this play. So it was under this festival, like of a youth theatre, because by this time I'm in my early twenties. Yeah, the youth theatre was like what they called. I suppose it was like about. 14, 15, up to about 25, 26, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like young people, I suppose, more. And um, and then I wrote this play called um, Made in Spain that they put on there. Then that won the Verity Bargate Award. Wow. And then and then um uh, and then they said, uh, we're gonna put this on telly. Shit. So it's <laughs> you know, like although that's a few years, I've concertinaed a few yeah, years of course. That's easy. But um, but yeah, so I thought, oh bloody hell, that's going on the telly. Wow. Which was, uh, that was just the, the most exciting thing. I thought, I can see my name on the telly. And I never thought that would ever happen. Like, yeah. you, this is all apropos of your first question. Suddenly, you know, my name's on the on the telly and I've written this play. And in, in that short time, how did it feel from being in this relatively new creative world yeah. to winning an award and then it being on the telly? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so it was a few years. Yeah. You know, probably, I don't know, like, you know, six or seven years. So, so it felt like it was a long struggle. Yeah. But now, of course, when you look back, oh, yeah, piece of piss. But of, yeah, course, of course it wasn't, you know, like, um, uh, 
yeah so I, I don't know it felt it felt like um you know I was on the verge of this strange I didn't know whether I'd ever write anything else again and in those days people watched telly live so so when that went on the next day my uh, so I'd got an agent as well and um and uh, uh EastEnders rung up said did he want to do two episodes of EastEnders and the bill rung up did I want to do a couple of episodes of the bill brilliant so 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 I did that so suddenly I'm doing doing that you know I go in to see to see the EastEnders people and um and uh, they go are you a fan of EastEnders I've never watched an episode so I went <laughs> god yes you love know, it like, Love it, love it. They said, fantastic. Oh, you're just exactly what we want. So come into the writers' uh, uh, meeting. And so they do this writers' meeting where all the writers are what they're going to write the, the, the episodes. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing, obviously. You know, and so so uh, I go into this room and there's all the writers there. Lots have done, you know, like like loads of episodes and stuff. And um, and uh, then there's the, the script editor. I'm not even know who all these people were, you know, but yeah. they're all... You know, so it's quite intimidating for me. And then they said, uh, all the rights, right, episode, you know, 312 is uh, the explosion in the cafe. And so it's, you know, uh, episode 213 is, you know, like Pauline gets raped and dragged and buried in a shallow grave, but then she's all right. <laughs> so they, do, they go through all these storylines, and I'm like thinking, and I could see everybody else, and it gets to the end, and then all the rights go, I'll do 312, I'll do 313. Oh, well. They've listened out for all the big, you know, yeah. they were taking all the, and I'm the only one left in the room. They go, Tone, you've got some, Dot loses her slippers. So I did those two episodes, um, which were the first episodes that Phil and, Phil and whatever it was, the, the Mitchell brothers came into. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but you're sort of kind of told, it's quite prescriptive, you're told what to do there. And then I got a. a but I got, on the CV, Tony, it, you could have been anyone, could have written anything, couldn't you? Because you was on EastEnders. That, that's it. it. Well, yeah, I suppose so. But then people still go, like, I did those tours of EastEnders, didn't have a bloody clue what I was doing, scribbled them down, you know. And did you have to blag it or did you just sit there quietly and politely and waiting to see how it went? No, I was just I was like completely blagged it. I handed it in and they were going, oh yeah, but do you remember like Dot's doing Panto this week or whatever it is? You know, so they moved everything around. I didn't have a clue what was going on. And you go and watch one day's film and you're sitting in a sort of box and you're looking at it on the monitor. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I just thought, I've just got to get out of here because I've, otherwise I'm going to be banged up for fraud. Here, you, know? <laughs> um, you know, I've got my money, so yeah. I'm going to go, you know. And it was a bit the same on the bill. <clears throat> and then I did... Um, uh, an episode or two on Chancer, you know, which was the Clive Owens first thing. Yeah, yeah. And and then I, and I still thought oh, I can't I can't do this. But what I hadn't sussed out was that writing, you know, to, to other people's um, uh, you know order and and uh, and characters wasn't my bag. Yeah. I was like, no, good. other people could do that much better. In those days, ITV was divided up into all the regions. So although they were they were nationwide coverage, but like Central TV or Granada. Meridian, or yeah. Yeah, they'd all have their own sort of slots. So this was Central TV. And um, and I'm walking on the corridor and there's um, there's uh, Ted Charles who was running um, Central Television drama. Uh, and he said, um, have you got any, have you got any other ideas or anything? So I said, well, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to write um, a, a drama about uh, greyhound racing because I've been going off to Walthamstow. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, I love greyhound racing. <laughs> 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 I know. So it's just like by chance. So I went, yeah, yeah, a six. 
in easy Ted. And he said, by October, yeah, yeah, October. I'm thinking, you know. Um, <laughs> but of course, now I'm suddenly able to be a writer because uh, I suppose it's, you know, I can now invent all my own characters. It was a bona fide commission, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh, that's what I'm good at. Yeah, inventing brilliant. my own worlds, yeah. not filling in for. So it's the difference, but you know, if you're a painter, like sitting outside Leicester Square doing people's caricatures, and suddenly you can like, no, you can go paint whatever you want. Yeah, is your canvas? Get on with it. And how was that bit of freedom? Did did it come with pressure or? Well, or not? there's a certain amount of pressure, but it's also incredibly liberating. Weird. And then, and they said, who do you who do you see in it? So I so I just like named my heroes. So I said, oh, well, I have Jim, uh, Jim Broadbent, who I'd seen in a play, and I love Jim Broadbent. Brilliant, I still do. Alison Steadman, yeah. Um, so so she was in it. She's she's still my best mate and lives up the road. Excellent. And we're neighbours, so we go we um we go to the pub together. Nice. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's oh, shall I have a I'll have a little gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah, ten later. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, Warren Clark was in it. Uh, Harry Enfield. We did this 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 uh, first series. And it seemed to go down a storm. People still yeah. talk about that show, which is and that was a series of six, wasn't it? Yeah, it was six. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm up and running, so I've had my own series on now. Yeah. So now I'm a creator rather than just doing the dot to dot on EastEnders. Yeah. Know? It was felt really good and and you know and suddenly you know gone to the dogs is going up for awards and stuff like that um and i'm thinking oh maybe i am a writer you know you know still i still feel a bit even now as an old fella and i've done like you know 50 things i still when people say what do you do you know still I say, a little bit of embarrassment I'm right <laughs> <laughs> right but don't judge yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not sure how i've got here but i am a writer yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know why, I don't know how people write and create, really. And if we did, you know, we'd, we'd all know what the secret formula is. Yeah. You've just got to come up with an idea, I suppose. And it's quite interesting that the first thing I said to Ted was, oh, I've got this idea about greyhound racing where this rogue gets a bloody three-legged greyhound and he's going he's gonna to go take it into some classy kennels and get it inseminated so he can breed off of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, plan you know and is that the one that had the um the west ham guys in it yeah bobby moore jeff first brilliant now I'm, I'm well aware that you're a that you're a huge west ham fan yeah yeah and i'm presuming that that was just because you could yeah and the producer said to me <laughs> one of the characters has got this big well you can see how long ago was he he just opened the video warehouse you know yeah. like oh well yeah. yeah yeah so so to he needed somebody to come and open it and she said who do you who would you like to come and open it? So I said, well, let's have uh, Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst and Martin Peters. The um, World and, Cup trio. And, and, Don, and Donna Ewing, who was the page three bird. <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking, Tony. So, so she came in the next day. She said, yeah, I booked them all. So when I, I met her, you know, meeting Bobby Moore was like absolutely fantastic because my earliest memory was standing on the chicken run with my dad yeah. and Bobby Moore coming over to take a throw in and my dad going, that is Bobby Moore. I, I want you to never forget this moment. Brilliant. And of course you don't because he's told you to never forget it, you know, yeah. six. And there's Bobby Moore. I told Bobby Moore and um, it was such a sort of modest guy because they weren't the footballers then, once they'd retired, weren't like the footballers now, I don't think, you know, no. they were ordinary guys. I think got a pub. Yeah. If they were lucky. Yeah. He got, I think he got a sports shop at, you know, Bobby Moore's or something. And, um, and, and Hurst and Peters were working in insurance. They were selling insurance. 
It's mad it's to think incredible. that, Tony, isn't it? Incredible. Uh, I said, oh, look, you know, like they, there's going to be a wedding later on, but maybe you could have got friendly with them and come to the come to the wedding scenes. He said, yeah, I'd love that. So actually, Bobby Moore ended up doing about a week on it, and so I got Brilliant. quite friendly with him. So that was, you know, that was the, the, uh, amazing times. And then after that, was gone to seed. Is that correct? Yeah. So that was like a follow-on. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that, that was probably a, 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 a bad mistake, one because because they said, oh, "Do you want to do another series of Gone to the Dogs?" And I thought, "No, I'm going to do something new." You know, like yeah. Now I've got a good Grail, idea. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Holy Grail is to get a returning series. Yeah. But anyway, so I um. Uh, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do something like it. We'll do the Gone 2 concept. And, and so it would be a wholly new series, you know. Yeah. Um, but we'll have still have, um, you know, Jim and Alison and Warren. And then we got um, Peter Cook came into that. Brilliant. Yeah, it was his last sort of drama. So, but it was great working with him. And I was just about to say, how was it working with Peter Cook? No, I mean, he was great. Like a lovely guy and, you know, would come in with his uh, with his tins of uh, tenants extra. Uh, <laughs> I go, oh, you uh, you drinking today? Then go, oh, this isn't drinking. This stops me shaking. I don't drinking. So he was like, <laughs> he was like Oscar man, you know, like. In, but he couldn't sit still. So you go to the pub with him. It'll be five minutes in one pub. Come on, drink up. And then the next pub, you know. Brilliant. He was always on the go, you know. Yeah. Um, Did you have to adapt much for him? Because I know that he's. Um, he was pretty well known for putting in his own words, ad-libbing. No, no, no. I think on a drama, I think on comedies he did that, but on a drama, no, he was like absolutely stuck to the script. I mean, he, you know, he was finding it, it wasn't easy for him to remember the lines. So he'd always say to me, less is more with me. You know? <laughs> yeah, really, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Mark was in that with, with him. So it was like, yeah, it was a nice old cast that. Comedians are generally quite good in a drama, aren't they? I think so. I think, well, they can be. I mean, I'm sure it's not all, but, you know, there is something about a, a, a comedian that can then turn on the sadness, you know. It's yeah. like the tears of a clown, I think. Yeah, and they are amazing, you know. Had you developed a, a name then as a as a writer after your first? I guess so, yeah, to, to, to a certain extent. Yeah, I think people were sort of, yeah. And, and I think I then I might have done um, Our Boy then. Yeah. With Ray Winstone. And then Ray got Ray's way back in. Ray hadn't worked for like 10 years. You know, he'd done scum. And then there was the sort of. He a, a popped very, up in Minder every now and then, didn't he, as yeah. the mechanic? But I think he got, I think he'd, um, he'd uh, nutted a director or something. So, so there was like, it was sort of like he'd, he'd got bad, um, uh, bad vibes on him. Yeah. So I did, um, I did our boy. I, I just thought, you know, when Ray gets it right, he's absolutely brilliant, you know. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I did our boy with him. And then I did a show called Burst, Marriage and Deaths with him, which was a four-parter. Yeah. Where he was brilliant. And that was him and Phil Davis and Mark Strong. Uh, you know, like in 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 Quadrophenia, what a performance that is. Yeah. You know, Ray in Scum. You know, what a performance that is. You know, Stedman in when she did um, the Singing Detective or or Nuts in May. You know, amazing performances. We have yeah. had some incredible performances. You know, in this. In this I film. mean, Ray Winston in Scum. That was one of the things that straightened out a lot of young lads. You know, yeah. who were going down that dodgy path yeah, yeah. they watch scum and they was like i don't want to be yeah. a part of that scared straight without even going away the first time yeah 
No, it was like shocking. I mean, brilliantly made by a guy called Alan Clark. And then the Alan story, I mean, Ray tells the story. I don't know how accurate it is or whether it's become a story, you know, an apocryphal story. But Ray uh, tells me he was dropping his mate off at the audition and he walked off down the corridor, like with his like his swag. swagger. Yeah. And Alan Clark went, who's that? And they went, oh, it's just my mate dropping me off. Get him back in here. That's exactly how the bloke should walk. <laughs> yeah. So Brilliant. you get back in there and, it, and then he gets the lead part. Super. As a writer, do you have people in mind for the characters you're creating? Do you associate them with someone you know? or? Well, yeah, sometimes. I think it becomes a sort of a, an amalgam. So, so where your ideas come from, they're partly of things from your past, um, you know, th things that you've experienced, and you add a little bit and you've heard other people's stories, and, you know, so that character... Yeah, a little, little collage, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it was like, it was interesting with... Um, uh, sorry, a long-winded way to answer your question, really, but... but um, uh, so when we'd done Our Girl, which was this the show that I've been on for the last few years, and um, about a girl in the army, you know, like, and, and we're, we're talking about it at, the, the, at some culture event with the, with the exec, John York, and um, they said, oh, tell us what it's about, Tony. So I said, well, it's about this, um, this girl from a dysfunctional and chaotic family from, from East London who decides to change her life around, break the expected narrative of her life and joins the army and then does yeah. something successful. And, um, and John said to me, yeah, because it's, it's Tony's, like, I think it's his most autobiographical piece. And I went, <laughs> I said, well, he said, no, I mean it, you know, the way you were at, you know, the Mayflower and, you, you know, nothing was expected of you, yeah. you know, your careers boat said, oh, get a job in the shop, you know, that was my career's advice. Um, and, 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 um, and, you know, I broke the expected narrative of my life and went on to be, uh, you know, a writer and, you know, doing stuff for theatre and television. And so, so he said, you know, that's what it is. I, I hadn't really realised that was autobiographical. Oh, because it's really autobiographical, but it, it is too, you know, so you get those things. Well, it's know. great a different perspective, like yourself obviously being in the bubble, looking out, but someone else looking in, yeah. they see it with completely different eyes, don't they? Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. And do you see it as autobiographical now? No, not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, there are aspects of it. Yeah. And of course, that became such a sort of big thing. You know, we, we did five series of it. Yeah. So 
in the end, you're just trying to work out other sort of like, or oh, what would be good here, or you know, like so it became like this. Although it is a sort of army piece about a medic, you know, you need a love life, you need everything else intertwined because it's like it was um it was very popular with a sort of younger audience, younger and diverse yeah. audience, and so um yeah, it was um uh yeah no you're just work you're just working out stories that but when I do like single films which I've done like you know a few of now all those short run what they call authored pieces three or four parts are like first marriage and deaths or um bodily harm which I did for yeah. uh, uh, channel four and that was with um Le uh, Leslie Manville and um Tim Spall so you know He's so, cool, so yeah yeah, that was great. So I, I don't know, like um, uh, sometimes I sort of see a, an ideal person, especially somebody like Jim Broadbent. Sometimes we don't get him, you know, we don't get yeah. Jim Broadbent. But I remember when I wrote When I'm 64, and I had in mind Jim Broadbent and Ray Winston. Well, of course, they weren't available when we came to filming it because it was a BBC Two show, so we got a limited you know, um, uh, time to film that. And so we had Alan Armstrong and um, Paul Freeman. Nice. But you know, then they surprise they surprise you then because you think, oh, okay, I'd seen it slightly differently, but um, yeah. Well, that's the thing of having one vision in your mind, and then reality takes on a new form altogether, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and of course you've got the actors, you've got the director, you've got the set, you know, you've got you've got costumes, you've got that. So everything sort of comes in, and the music, which is obviously like important now, and um, yeah, so it was like. Um, uh, you know, like you, you, you've got your words and people like don't change them or anything, but you know, there's a whole, there's everything else going on top of it. So, you know, you are really, um, you, you know, it is a, a, a sort of collective artistic, you know, experience, you know, the actors are the sort of, but then you, there's the editor as well. So if you're doing, if you're doing theatre, the, the audience are choosing who they're looking at. Yeah. You, you put it on telly, and the editor or the director, you know, is is telling you what to look, telling you what to think. Yeah. You know, you've got somebody listening in the background. <laughs> you know, they're, they're directing you, they're directing your emotions and yeah. the music coming in. Whereas theatre, you've got to decide who you're going to look at, who you're going to be moved by. Yeah. I mean, when you've done the first Gone to the Dogs, as a writer, I presume that you just hand the script over. Is Does your input stop there? Or do you oh. go on set? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So, well, especially now because I executive produce everything, so I'm there every day. For, you know, like, so all and all the questions tend to be coming to me, especially on something like Our Girl, because of course you need somebody that's done all thirty episodes. You yeah. Know? So they know you go. No, no, no. You can't do that because your brother was shot in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. You've got to know all the stories. But yeah. So well, for a start, when you hand the script in, that's just the start of the process because then you're going through rewrites and you know, like yeah. you know, like uh, lots of lots of rewrites go on. Um, and so you know, people, the producer will give you know the good producers will give you you know short notes. It's almost like a, you know, like a football manager will just say you know you know like that, that second half you need to keep that energy up or yeah. something yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Than all these specific, get on your left foot tip, tip it up the line you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah and those so one, one three line you go god bloody hell yeah no i can't i'm getting snow blind but yeah. if you just say it's a bit soggy in the you know why don't you move that event that happens at the end move it halfway through and then see what happens afterwards or whatever you know so you get good notes and not so good notes but yeah, so you work on that script, you might do, you might do 10, 20, 30, 
you know, drafts, not always full drafts, but no. and then and then when it gets to the shooting script, you know, there still might be changes once you've, you know, once you're on set. But yeah, so you'll be on set and you've got the, um, you know, you, you, you've you've finished all the episodes. And so so you'll be there. Sometimes you won't know what to do because everybody else has got a job on set. It's only the writer that ain't got, you know, he's finished his job or she, you know, um, but um, uh, and everybody else is running around with bloody cable. <laughs> and, uh, Earning their cape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my idea you know like and they don't care you know they just want to get on with it and um but of course you know when it's working well you'll sit there with the director and the exec and they'll go what do you think that scene you go yeah like you know maybe we should cut that one line well a she's you know she's like slightly struggling with it but i wonder if it gets in the way so so yeah yeah can you give us another line there though so yeah okay you know so so you know there is a sort of a process that's still going on yeah. and then of course when you get to the edit you sit in the edit and that's where you do your final draft, which I've never realised. I've only just started to realise this, having been in this game for decades, is that, you know, like, oh, OK, let's let's take out that. I will show them the back of the head, add a new line. Because now so much is ADR, you know, where you do the um, additional dialogue record. But yeah. it's, so it's the ADR. You go into the studio, office, all the actors come back for ADR and you're giving them other lines, you know, when they're shots in the back of the head, which the audience, of course, they never notice. Of course. And you're changing bits of the story. So you're doing a whole new draft sometimes. Wow. You know, and other people, you know, like I've not, not so much on my shows, but I've heard other shows where they've changed an entire scene. So it's always on the reaction of the other person, the occasional lip movements, but they've changed the whole essence of that scene. And how are you watching it back? Do you see it as a, a programme or a film or is it when it's on screen, do you see yeah. the background, if you like? Well, yeah, no, it's very hard to watch your answer because obviously you've been sitting in the edit, you've seen it 500 times. Yeah. But that first, uh, there is something about when it comes on the telly and you're sitting there with the other, you know, five, 10 million people that watch it. <laughs> and then suddenly you start to see it as they say, and you go, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> and you, you've got Twitter on the go, like, oh, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Getting a live feed. Because people on Twitter obviously like to dig out pretty much everything of course uh, and especially as it's going on but uh, so i said we, we've been fairly well true but yeah you do you sometimes see those moments that you haven't seen before and i don't quite yeah. know why you only see them for the first time when when it's going on it's yeah. that very strange and i can imagine there'd be something that seems fine when it's being filmed Absolutely, and yeah. sometimes something may not work on screen and i presume you're like well it, it was fine when we done it we yeah. You know, that little snafu yeah. moment. I don't know what happened. I know. I know. It's, it's interesting. Well, that's why it's quite good to have an editor. So, that obviously, you have the editor and the director and then uh, and then the uh, execs go in um, to the edit. But the editor hasn't been on set. Or so, any of the jokes or funny... Oh, think, so he's got fresh eyes. Really, I didn't realise that. Yeah. So, so because they're, they're going, well, that's just shit. Yeah, brilliant. And you're going, oh, it was so funny. When, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had to be there. Little, yeah, put a little line <laughs> at the bottom. This was really funny. Alison actually <laughs> fell over during this scene or whatever, you know. And so you get it together. But you see, you still definitely miss bits. And then you go, when it comes on, you go, yeah, yeah, they got a point there. Yeah, you know, that is a bit orcs, you know. <laughs> uh, another question that I do have for, for each guest is what piece of work that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Um, well, of course, they, they all do have at the time, otherwise they're going to uh, sink. Um, well, I don't know, because uh, they all have di different 
um, uh, emotional connections because what was going on in my life at that time, you know, so so there, there's a, there's, so so if I was watching Burst Marriage this now, I would be reminded of a time when I'm watching Our Boy. It was like when my son had just been born. Not that I watched sitting indoors watching my stuff, <laughs> but but you know, like Our Boy reminds me of a time, you know, that uh, you know, and I remember you know the whole you know working on it and working through it and um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know whether I have. I, I could say there's one that I feel. I mean, I think if you're talking to a painter, yeah, there would be a you know different answer. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's ones that I like most, so that gives me an emotional connection. You yeah. know, I like doing first marriages and deaths, and I, I like doing bodily harm. You know, I actually like doing the Martins, although the film was like a sort of uh, a hit and miss, I suppose. You know, yeah. the, the one with with Lee but there's a lot of good things and Kathy Burke and I was able to work with Kathy and we had a fantastic time oh man yeah. Ray Winston and Kathy Burke yeah. I know they've worked together a few times yeah. but oh superb yeah no they're amazing we got mutual friend being Ray Richardson how did you come by being pals with Ray well I, I just because I'd, I'd liked his work and then um, uh, I got one of his uh, paintings. So I went to um, the Art Expo, where it was in um, in Angel somewhere. Oh yeah, the uh, London Art Fair. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and um, and there was a sort of limited. I oh, was in the other room actually. Uh, yeah, this limited edition. Um, I don't know whether it was a print or something with a with a dog in the basket, and he's pushing. It's called one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trolley or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and there was like four, so I, so I bought one of those and then I saw he was on um, Instagram and I said, and I, I made that connection. I told him about that I, I saw a painting of his once, uh, another exhibition. This is like years ago, 25 more, yeah. 30 years ago. And, um, and it was like a, a, a fellow in a West Ham shirt with the old hoops, West Ham shirt, frying eggs. Over That's it, yeah, I know the one. Yeah. And it was called Hammer Blow, Hammer Blow, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I said I loved that, and and it was one. It was what I said to him. It was one thousand seven hundred quid, and I just got married at the time. My, uh, and my <laughs> said, oh, we need a new kitchen. So I said, yeah, but that's like, and it was exactly the same money because she'd seen the kitchen for one thousand seven hundred quid. Oh, please tell me you bought the picture. Oh, I got, I got overruled. That's why we divorced because I didn't let it go. <laughs> I've always it. resented him for, yeah, it. for 25 years. I said, we could have made that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so it went, and then, yeah. and then uh, Ray said, Well, I'll paint you another one if you want. So I said, Okay, but I don't want to be prescriptive. You paint what you, what, yeah. you know, we've had a chat now. And that's what the one he painted that was in the, um, you know, his studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the picture? Of I the did. Yeah, yeah, as soon yeah. as I walked in. So that, so I bought that off him. So, um, uh, I, he hasn't brought it around, so he's, maybe he's just done a runner with the dodge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know he's had a lot of holidays since I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Was that the one? Because he tagged us both in a painting. The other he did. Day, reminded me, oh, I hadn't replied to your message, actually, um, uh, uh, which was a fantastic one. I think that was at, like down at Canby as well, because I think my painting is set on Canby Island, isn't yeah. it? I think yeah. it goes down there for inspiration, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we we just had a few chats on on um, on Insta and then swap numbers and so so uh, but yeah, so was, I think that time I 
I saw you down there with him was the first time I've actually met him. Yeah. Although we chatted on, you know. Yeah. Well, any, I, I think that anyone who comes from a working class background, not necessarily London, um, but anyone from a, a working class background would absolutely get Ray Richardson. Yeah, no, he's great. Well, somebody once said Ray Richardson paints like you write. Brilliant. So that's I, not bad uh, at all, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, that was a nice thing to say. And so, yeah. Like me, me being able, mentally being able to be an artist. Yeah, and, it's, and as I say, I always put everything back down to, yeah. down to Ray Richardson, just for that, seeing him on the telly and hearing his voice. Yeah, that's it fantastic. Just, it just confirmed that, you know, a working class bloke from a council estate can be this yeah, yeah. thing. Just like yourself, being a, yeah. being a writer, you know, most kids from a council estate wouldn't think that that would be... Well, that's right. You know what I mean? And I suppose, you know, that's what, um, with things like um, Our Girl, it's like, it's not about go and be a medic in the army, for God's sake, it's not about, but it's about do the best, you can do anything, yeah. go and do it. Don't sit on your ass going, regretting it, go and do it. And that's what you've done. I mean, it's an amazing story. I mean, because a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind being a writer. Um, I go, oh, what have you written? Well, I haven't written it. Well, that's all you got to do, isn't it? Yeah. You know, get a notepad and just fill it up. Yeah. You know, type it out. We've all got computers you or, you know, phones or tablets. You know, it's an easy thing now. Yeah. Well, my mate Kimberly, she um, she come from Dagnum. She's, um, she was a year older than me at school, although not in my school. She was cabin of a, of a night and she was just writing during, during that and in her free time. I mean, fast forward sort of 20 years later, she's a Times bestseller now, you know? Brilliant. And, and, and especially nowadays as well, the, the working class thing in, in the creative environment, it's so important, yeah. so important. Yeah, well, I think it always used to be, you know, ordinary people that were, became the artist. And then for about the last sort of 15, 20 years, you know, the poshos have taken over everything. Yeah acting, writing, directing, you know, and slowly I think people are going, no, no, we want, you know, we want a whole lot of different voices now. So whether you're, you know, diverse or disabled or, you know, like working class or uh, whatever you are, then they want all those different stories. So there's a real push for diversity in all its forms, including working class now. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than having a um, a working class story written by someone who's never been on a red bus for a council estate, well, isn't exactly, it? Yeah. If you wasn't a writer, Tony, what do you think you'd like to be? Well, I, you know, I've often thought about that, Gal, because I'm thinking, thank God I am a writer because there's <laughs> nothing else I can do. I presume I could found a niche somewhere doing something, yeah. you know, but I don't know what it, what it could possibly be. Has, has there never been anything you'd like to do? Or thought about? I think I just so love being a writer and working in, you know, film, TV, theatre, that that's all I've sort of wanted to do. You know, and I know a lot of other, a lot of other writers have political aspirations and yeah. Russell D. Davis has got his 
thing going on, you know, like, and he's very political and, but no, I don't feel very, well, I, I, you know, like a, like we're all a little bit political, but I've got no aspirations in, in that, in that area. You know, when I first left drama school, I did a bit of drama teaching, you know, which was great, but it was really just, I was doing youth theatre. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, and, and, um, but I, you know, I was ready to move on after a year or two. That felt like my national service, you know. Like, <laughs> I tough, well, you I know. absolutely love it when I speak to a creative and they can't think of anything else they could do or would want to do other right. than what they're doing. Yeah. I absolutely love that. So it's maybe we all just fall into these things, don't we? You yeah. Know? Well, um, there, there isn't a question that I ask visual artists, um, which is if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? But in your case, if you could have a writing team with any writers, past or present, who do you think you'd like on your team? What, what to be writing together? God, yeah. that would be absolute murder. Because I hate the, 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 the American <laughs> idea of writers' room. I can't do it. I, you know, I just sit here like I like one of them old Victorian photographers, <laughs> a black shroud over my head, okay. and I'm just I just type away myself. The idea of working with there's a lot of other writers that I've completely admired. You well, know. let's go down that route. That's easier. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, you can go back like. You know, Oscar Wilde, when he was like, so, like yeah, the importance of being earnest and some other yeah. places, you go, you go, go, that's like absolutely amazing. You know, um, when Bleasdale wrote Boys and the Black stuff, you know, like, I just think, oh my God. That was God. so different, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Change TV for me. Yeah. I mean, and Yoss's story, talk, we're talking about performances earlier on, you know, Bernard Hill in that part was so incredible. I mean, he was scary, wasn't he? I think it like, you know, I think he talked about it. He got so into that part. It was very hard for him to step out and he never yeah. really, you know, reached those goals again. Yeah. And it's funny when people reach those goals. I mean, Ray, to a certain extent, did with Scum, although he had his that other little, you know, but that Scum, Phil, Dave, Phil Daniels with, um, with Quadrophenia. Yeah, yeah, and I know he came into EastEnders and has done bits and bobs, you know, including some stuff with me. But his part in, in that was amazing there's yeah. the same thing you know bernard hill you know because why hasn't why didn't he go on to be the no. greatest actor of all time you know after that that's maybe that's where ray got his inspiration for the headbutt yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah who else tony sorry well yeah so um uh and, and then you know like uh we got a lot of good writers now haven't we you know sally wainwright is doing doing great stuff um but if you go like going back into the into the um it into the past I don't know I you know I I'd, I'd love to sit in a room with with loads of them and listen to them and, and you know ask where their ideas come from I don't think anybody can ever give you you know uh, a right my ideas come from but you know, it's not like you know and you always get asked that question where your ideas come from so you, you can't go well you know saints with superstar in between the saucepans and the <laughs> yeah. you've got ideas you know yeah. like, that's right <laughs> because you just get them from just being around people me talking to you you know you listen to your story you know i'm thinking oh i might nick a bit of that you know like it's a, you know like everything is sort of um it all comes in a, in a mesh, and 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 you know when when uh, Oscar Wilde had gone down to Brighton to write um, uh, the importance of being earnest to get out of London, where I think he was a part of the sort of like the gay scene and everything yeah. going on there. Uh, but then all the all the names of Worthing, you know, so he was getting inspiration from yeah, yeah. around him, and this, the, the 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 bag was left at the train station at Victoria. You know, they've lost baggage department at Victoria. You know, so everything was like. You know, going on in his head. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I've never really gotten into Shakespeare, but I suppose it would be quite interesting to see, you know, to know what he's about because I sometimes see Shakespeare plays and I think oh, it's not for me, you know. But I mean, I don't know. I doesn't. I don't quite, you know. I don't quite get. It. It's like opera. I don't. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, you, you mentioned about Oscar Wilde there. There's a little verse of his from Reading Jail. The vilest deeds, like poison weeds, bloom well in the prison air. Tis only what is good in a man that wastes and withers there. Yeah, quite a, well, it was a, quite a line. A, because he'd spent two years. Yeah. He got two years hard labour in Reading Jail. It, that, that's why he was able to, like, touch something so brilliant and yeah. truthful. You know, that's the thing. If you're making up stuff, you know, you where's the truth in it? Like, you talk about raised paintings and there's a truth in there. You know, and I suppose that's what you're saying. When You know, is it autobiographical or are you know, emotional connection? There's always got to be a truth in all the writing for all the characters, whether they're good or bad or, you know, evil or nuts. There's got to be a truth in them. And if you have a truth in the story and the characters and the dialogue, and the setting, and there is a real core of truth. The audience will go, I get it. I've yeah, it, it clings to them. Yeah, and that's why I was really interesting that you like uh, the Ballad of Red in Jail, because that's like, you know, an amazing piece of writing. Yeah, and likewise, what you're saying there about, the, this is me personally, when I'm watching a, a programme or a film, if they're trying to sell you a, a scenario and you believe that what's on the screen absolutely wouldn't happen. Yeah. For me, that ruins nigh yeah. on the whole program, yeah. you know. Yeah, you don't believe it. You're suddenly yeah, it like being lied to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not in safe hands because there's no truth in it. You know, that's why the kids like Harry Potter. They don't think they can get on their broomstick or whatever it was, you know, and and fly off. Yeah. But they can in that world because they created that world. Yeah, brilliant. And which is what a, a writer does: just creates a world yeah. for people to walk into. That's what I always say about Ray's paintings: is that, that Ray just builds his little world and you walk into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when he when he invited me to, to sit for him, I mean, what a proud moment that was for me to, to be able to be literally a part yeah. of his world. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a huge honor. Yeah, no, brilliant. And he does you really well, you know, like it's, it's you, you blend together very well, I think. I mean, you didn't, you wouldn't have thought that you could make this any more handsome. But he does. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, right, you know, like you're talking about painters and you're talking about writers, but a painter starts with a story. And what story is he going to tell? And he's going to, oh, okay, I'll do one about Canby Island and, and the, the old bicycles under the old rusting pier and that, that will, and people will be, and I'm so the same with a blank piece of paper. You fill it up and you tell a story. Well, when you listen to any creative's journey of that creation, it's, it's pretty much all the same blank canvas, end product and that route that you took to get there. Yeah. There's a podcast I listen to that's where they speak to comedians and the comedians dissect their joke and say how they created it. It's exactly the same process, even with a yeah. joke. Well, because a joke is just a, a story and the story is, is a script. Yeah. And then we hone it and hone it and hone it. And when the comedian goes on stage and he gets a big laugh, he goes, okay, I got that one right. <laughs> or if he gets a small laugh, he goes, mm, I think I fucked that up. I, I shouldn't have added that, you know, and he fucking laughed, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, you know like, or whatever it is. And they, so they, you know, I've done too much. You know, so uh, yeah, and it's the, it's the same because because all of us are doing something for an audience. Yeah, you know, Ray's doing this thing so he can put it on the wall and people can walk by and go, yeah, that's all right. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, what yeah. have you got coming up, Tony? Um, well, so I'm working on a couple of new projects now. 
I'm working on my first theatre piece since I was at the youth theatre. Nice. So, which is which is nice. So I'm just developing that now. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be for 2023. So, is it going to be a particular theatre at the moment? No, because we're you know we're still developing it, and they yeah. were you know like nobody knows which theatres are going to be you know uh, available and all that stuff. But I'm working with House Productions um, and uh, Francesca Moody Productions, and so uh, and it's Tessa Rossi who runs House. So she was she was um, head of the drama at the BBC and Channel Four actually. So that's why I've done a lot of my projects with her. And she nice. said, "Well, she working on that." I told her this idea, and she said, "Okay, let's develop that." So we, we're now uh, developing that. Tessa's formed her own independent company now. So it was like literally, she was she was head of independence at um at uh, BBC, head of drama and film four at um uh, Channel Four, where she was doing things like um Slumdog Millionaire, Twelve Years a Slave. So she's wow. done lots of like great stuff. You know, gave Steve McQueen his first first directing yeah. work. You know, so um, and now she's formed this company and um, uh, yeah, and doing lots of lots of great stuff there. So so I'm yeah, you know, I'm back working with her, and then I've just started to develop something with um, Eleven Films, who did Sex Education on Netflix. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm working with them. So yeah, just developing things. So it won't be obviously won't be for this year, but uh, yeah. So hopefully twenty the twenty three twenty four season. And how are you writing for theatre? Is it very different from writing for TV? Yes, in one sense. You, know, you still need that story. You know, you still need, you know, a beginning, middle and end. They don't have to come in the same order. You know, you can come, do them out of sequence. But, you know, you, you, you know, you need to grip your audience. They need to be interested in those characters. They need to want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, and then you have you have your conclusion. So there are similarities, but um, but uh, huge differences as well. Brilliant. So and and how does it feel, the idea of going back into theatre? Absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. I cannot wait. So, you know, if it, you know, touch wood, it all goes ahead. And we're in that rehearsal room. I'm absolutely buzzing about that, you know. Excellent. And then we'll have all those creatives there because of the sound and the lighting and the director and, uh, you know, the actors. And we're all going to go and make this thing. And then, you know, we'll stick it on and people will come in and watch 90 minutes of this. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, I'm, dealing with millions and millions of people on tv and and on theater you're you know dealing with 400 people a night you know yeah. bearing in mind i know nothing about this process with a theater production and it all looks fine on paper it all looks fine when you do your your rehearsals when it goes live if there's something that isn't quite gelling with the audience are you able to edit that if you like or well, does it stay yeah. in there no i think you definitely do rewrites you do, oh, you do. I, I they do this thing um, like uh, a preview. So before you officially open, you're doing these previews. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine that things are changing all the time. You know? Yeah. And then, of course, the actors are going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, do you think that bit of business up there isn't working? I should go down, you know. Yeah. yeah. And Tony, where can people find what you're doing, be it online or social media? Um, well, I don't really, as you know, I don't really do. It. <laughs> I've got my, um, uh, uh, I've got an Instagram, Tony.grounds, um, but, uh, but I tend to like post when there's something going on, you know. Yeah. So yeah. social media, you have a presence. Well, yeah. So, uh, so when stuff goes on and then sometimes the BBC, especially during our girl, you know, all, you know, like well, I say the BBC, you know, like the producer would say, can you retweet this? And, uh, you know, and I'm going, like, I think I've got like about 10,000 people following me. Why don't you get Michelle to do it? She's got 4 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's pretty cool to work with, I'm sure. She's love, absolutely lovely. 
absolutely lovely. You know, she's real a real good team player and understands that, you know, we've got to get the work done. So um, And did Agar reach a conclusion? Yeah, so we concluded it at the end of series five. You know, there was talk, we were thinking about doing another series, but then COVID came um, and South Africa is quite hard to film in now, yeah. you know, um, so, because uh, we were filming out there for, for 10 years. So, Brilliant. and then everybody at the BBC was changing. We've got a new head of drama. So, so, so everybody left and uh, my execs all left. So uh, yeah, it felt like a natural time really. So would there be a little bit of advice you could give to an aspiring writer, Tony, do you think? Um, yeah, live your life and come up with a good idea. Perfect. <laughs> you know, don't read all the books on it and go, oh, I've got to have an inciting incident after nine pages. Don't worry about it. Come up with your idea first. Yeah. They'll tell you how to do it. Or if you've got a brilliant idea, other people will help you form it into the, you know, um, brilliant shape. All right, mate. Well, I'll leave you there. Thank you. I'm sorry to have fucking dragged it out. Oh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Gar. I absolutely adore you, mate. I think you're absolutely fantastic. You know, if you're if you're around and raise around and we'll go for a beer or something. But definitely. Anytime, Gal, and I'd love to meet you again. So fantastic. Right, well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, Leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad art. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.